Welcome one, welcome all to the M60 podcast, where we take around 60 minutes to talk about men's issues here in the 21st century in the Western world. I am your host, John Waltz, and it is Thanksgiving week here in the United States. So I hope even with COVID going on and with certain lockdowns in different uh, in different places that you would at least be able to spend time with some family and, and get some rest and relaxation and some um some replenishment uh, over the course of this weekend. And uh, we're recording this on uh, November 23rd. So just wanted to publicly wish my sister a happy birthday. Um, she mm. is one year older than me, but, um, but on to, uh, to why everyone's here. The, uh, the interview, my guest for this episode of the M60 podcast is Mr. Bart Hansen. Bart is a founding board member of Wild at Heart, the Wild at Heart Ministry out of Colorado Springs, Colorado. He is the director of discipleship and vice president on their leadership team, and he is a prominent speaker at the Wild at Heart men's events. Uh, Bart, does anything else I need to add to your bio there? Is that about covered? I know we're going to talk a little bit Boy, more. Boy, John, yeah. I, I, uh, I hadn't heard that in a long time, so I, uh, yeah, let's let's... Sounded good. Let's go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's get right into it, Bart. So the, the first question that I ask every guest on the podcast here is, uh, what, what does it mean to be a man in the 21st century in the Western world? Yeah, John, that's, a, that's really a, a great question to ask any guy. Um, you know, I, uh, to get the picture of that, I think, I think I've, uh, Craig McConnell, uh, an old uh, ally who passed away and has been taken taken home um, about five years ago uh, with cancer was part of the big part of the ransom heart team founding member. Craig gave me a book um, and it was called the quiet warrior. And it was the story about Admiral Raymond Spruance and uh, Raymond Spruance was, was a, um, he was a cruiser skipper in, in, the, in the South Pacific in World War II. And, um, and he kind of protected the flanks of Admiral Halsey, who was a carrier, who took our carrier fleet around the South Pacific. And so going into the Battle of, of Midway in, uh, I think it was about, in, in about 1942, um, we had just been creamed by the, uh, by the Japanese at Pearl Harbor. And so we, our, our, our fleet was decimated. And so we're planning a strike um, or, or the, the Japanese were planning to, to kind of come back and get us at, the, at, at Midway. And so they were trying to undo the intelligence of this battle. And then Raymond Spruance, who was, who was kind of the, the head of all of that, um, he, uh, he came down with, with uh, a skin a disease and he couldn't he couldn't fight in the battle so Raymond Spruance was was elevated to that um, to that position and 
as I read the book about Raymond Spruance, he was just had this kind of quiet presence about him. But it was that that quiet strength that in his presence that he, his tactics were responsible for winning the greatest naval battle in the in the history of of, uh, of naval warfare, as we uh, sank four Japanese carriers, and uh, and and we lost one. And um, but I think of that. So I to to answer that, it's a long way to kind of delve into your question is, I, I uh, for me, I think masculinity looks like a quiet strength. Mm, and it's not yeah. passive, not passive at all. But it, it's confident strength that offers goodness and love to the world around us as as men. But it's but it, it we're I think part of masculinity is is we have to be prepared to fight, mm-hmm. fight for what what is good and, and on the side of truth, and for what we believe in. Because as as God said in Genesis, uh, Genesis fifteen, He said, "The Lord is a warrior; the Lord is His name." And as we are made in the image of God, He made us to be warriors as well. Yeah, um, I love. I love what G.K. Chesterton said. He said that um, a warrior, a, a, a warrior, is really motivated by love more than than hatred. Uh, he said the greatest the greatest thing about about a warrior is is not actually hating the enemy that is in front of you, but loving uh, what you're defending. So it's so my idea of masculinity is that quiet strength that has a warrior's heart that offers uh, goodness and love to the world around him, but is certainly prepared to fight for what is truth and, um, and what is good. Yeah, that's very well put. Um, my, my guests and I on, on our previous episode, we were kind of talking about talking a little bit about that question and what, what it looks like and we were coming up with the word strong and then we kind of moved into the word resolute, um, something that's a little bit more firmly mm-hmm. based because strong is kind of, it's become one of, one of those broad overarching terms, but I feel like your, your definition, having that, that quiet strength and that in being prepared to, to go to battle, but still being able to, to yes. the world. I think that's a, that's a definitely a, a perfect definition of, uh, of masculinity in this day and age. So, uh, thanks. Thank you for that. Um, okay, Bart. So, uh, kind of changing gears here a little bit. Let's let's talk about your own uh, masculine journey and, and a little bit more about the issues that are facing men today in in the world. Um, talk to us a little bit about you know how God has initiated you and and made you into the man that you are today. And, and talk to us a little bit about some of the issues around fatherlessness and and kind of the the lack of of time and you know, having a good mar- time margin. Those are probably three of the biggest issues that face men in the, in the world today. So um, just give your thoughts on that and your own experience and uh, with, with those issues uh, for the audience. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, in the wild at heart message, John, uh, we kind of, we, in, in order to get to the true masculinity, we have to undress the poser that, that we are all men pose, you know, it's our false self that, yeah 
that yeah. we have. It's the fig leaves that we that we hide behind. And so for me, um, being my fatherlessness and, you know, I, I, I had a dad that loved me and until he was until I was 19, then he passed away. Um, and um, uh, but he was he was a man that fought in World War II and some of the bloodiest battles of the South Pacific, and it and it really took him out. And and um, and so it was it was it was hard for him to speak into my life because of the brokenness and all of this uh, the trauma that he that he had uh, uh, experienced in sure, the war, yeah. but. But so, so I, I was fatherless up to the, you know, even when he was my father, there was a lot of things he just couldn't speak into, not, not of his fault, but just, that's just the way he was. And then after he was gone out of my life, I was, I was um, pretty fatherless as well. But the one thing that he kind of initiated me on is he just said, son, work hard, just work hard. And so I wanted to please him. And so that I, I felt like, okay, that's, that's my key to life. That's, that's what I've got to do to be successful is just work hard and, mm -hmm. and be busy. And so that busyness and that, that hard work ethic. And again, hard, there's, there's a lot of really good things about hard work, but when it becomes your idol and it becomes your life and you have, um, you're just busy all the time. Uh, it, it, it becomes a pretty deep seated brokenness, which is what, what happened with me. So, um, I, I think God had to strip away that busyness and, and all of that because it was my validation chasing all the wrong things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and, and so time was, time was a, a thing that just eluded me. You know, I, I, ha I had no margins in time, but I think after, after I, I came to faith and began to look at things, um, I think God really showed me that, that actually our most, our most valuable commodity more than money or wealth or anything is, is really our time. And so my partner and I, who, who we both were walking together it, out our faith in our business, you know, we, we in, in, in planning for financial um, security in the future, our, we planned about how we could, how we could gain margin of time and not necessarily an amount of wealth, but those two kind of can go along with each other. But we, we just, uh, we planned our lives and so forth to say that as we went on, we would have we would build an income that would allow us the margin of time to go and do those things that we really wanted to pursue, and and um, you know my my ultimate goal was to be involved in something in the kingdom. When we started that, I I didn't know what it was, but I just wanted to continue to build that margin of time because I think that's that's where we can find the greatest wealth in our life because as we can give our time to to things and people and, 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 and spiritual pursuits. I think that's, that to me is, is where the most value in life can be spent. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Amen. Let's stick with the, um, the fatherlessness, um, question a little bit. Um, I had a follow-up come to mind. 
What do you think are some, some good ways and some good places that men who maybe don't have a strong father figure in their lives that, that they can go look for a good father figure or, or mentor figure in their life that will, will lead them down, not necessarily the path to achievement or busyness, but, but someone who can speak into their lives and initiate them like a, a true father would. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, uh, that's, that's a, that's a very, very key point. Our part of our, of our culture today is, is the fatherlessness is just rampant in, in almost every part of our culture. Um, and I, I think we here at Ransomed Heart as, as men come in, well, it's now wild at heart. Um, we've had a recent name change, yeah. but, um, but, I think I think the, the where a man might start that is is to get a like-minded um, man to um, to take this journey of masculinity through, um, and and that tends to be a peer relationship. And I think you you can you can experience the the love of the of a father through a peer that that you're going through the things and you're experiencing what uh, what God offers us in true masculinity. I think, I think even preceding that, if, if there is an uncle, if there is um, some, someone who's, who's walking in faith that would give you time that would answer some of these questions. I mean, that's, that's the best thing is, is to have an older man, have a sage like figure and, and the world is so lacking in sages. So, yeah. so many men retire and they just go to whatever their hobby is. And, and when, when they actually have the most to offer in life at, at, those, at that point of their life to go and to offer some of these fatherless younger men the, um, you know, the, uh, the benefit of their wisdom and what they've learned in their, in their spiritual growth. So, uh, but ultimately, I think when all of those things fail because I mean, there's none of us that are Jesus. Right. Uh, but right. I think ultimately we, we have to go to God, the father. And, um, but I think we experience him through, through men, but we can experience him. We, we actually can experience him just in, in our life circumstance as we're, as we're pursuing him because there, there, he has left a spirit here that yes. does speak yeah. to us. And so when we're pursuing him, I think God is always speaking to us about what he's trying to surface in our life. And so when we tune into that uh, and when we tune into what he's saying to us, it, it's amazing what what we can get. We can get that through scripture. You can get it through music. You can, you know, you can get it through so much because mm -hmm. I think he yeah. speaks to us in the world around us in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he speaks to us in the ways of the that we can perceive him. I mean, there, there are people who perceive him and, and he speaks to them through, like you said, through nature. I'm more of a person who likes the urban environment. I mean, we can't really see it here. This right. is audio only, but you know, my zoom background is the, the Nashville yes. skyline. Nashville so, skyline. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I'm, we all experience him in different ways. We've just got to be able to, um, to speak and, and be in tune with what, with what he's saying to us. So, and that's probably a, be a good topic for a podcast for, for another day. Right. But, uh, 
Uh, I know John Eldridge wrote a, a whole book about walking with God and, and being able to yes. have that conversational intimacy with him. I'll put a link to that book in the, uh, in the show notes called walking with God. It was a uh, really, really good, some really good insightful things in there about that. So let's, um, let's talk about your, your faith journey and, um, uh, how you, you came to, to be such a strong believer in, in God and, and, um, just, I'll, I'll put that ball on the tee for you and, and uh, take it away from there. And especially we, we had kind of talked in our, in our pre-conversation about, you know, the, the non-believers. So um, for the non-believer that's, that's out there listening, talk to, talk to them and, and into to their hearts and just um, relay your own, your own faith journey on uh, in that. Yeah. Thank you, John. Uh, um, yeah. So I was, um, I was raised, I was born and raised in, in, uh, in West Texas. And, um, from as, as early as I can remember, went to church in a, in a mainline denomination and, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And in that, in that, I really never got the concept of the gospel. I really, uh, spent all of my young years in, in, in church just saying if I was good and that good outweighed the bad, then, um, then I, would, I would somehow be in, in God's favored sight. But that's a very perverted and broken gospel, as, you both, as we both know. And yes. yeah. so I did not understand the concept of grace with sin. <clears throat> and, um, and so I, I grew up with that and, and became very discouraged with it when I became a teenager and, and uh, then went off to college. And I basically just, uh, just sent me in a in a, uh, a loop of frustration that how can I know if I'm ever good enough to do anything? So I, ju I just basically walked away from, from my faith and, and just lived, lived uh, myself, you know, according to what my own values were and so forth. And, and again, kind of went back to the brokenness of, of my father of, Hey, just, just go work hard, just go work hard and everything will work out. And so that's, that's kind of was my life as, as an early young adult. And, um, and it was through um, just putting all of my faith in my hard work. And so um, I, I remember I, I was working for a guy who started a company and, and the guy, this, I mean, this is, this is how, what I was chasing. I was just chasing wealth and, 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 uh, and this guy that I was working for, we had started a company. I moved across the country to help him with this. And I'd never worked harder in my life. And on Christmas Eve of a year that we had, I'd, I'd worked every day except Thanksgiving. And on Christmas Eve, he comes in. <laughs> and says, and fires me. And uh, that was oh. the beginning of my redemption. And uh, because God took away, just stripped away from me, what was most important in my life, which mm -hmm. was my work and thought, took away the fig all, leaf. all my validation had, had just been stripped away. And mm -hmm. I was, I was just undone, totally undone. And so, um, um, when I, I just met my wife, we weren't married. We, we, we went back to California and, um, 
I, uh, I went to work for a competitive company of the company I just left. And I said, I got to put my ladder against that, against that uh, building again and try to climb back, claw my way to the top. And so on the way there, I had, uh, I had been invited by uh, an uncle to come and hear these guys talking about um, God in their life. It was a businessman's ministry. And, um, and so I, I, I kept telling my uncle, no, I don't have time for that. Just, just don't have time. And so finally, I, I, I just to get him off my back, I went and took him up on one, went and listened to one. And, and for the first time, I, as I called back to all my experience in, in growing up in church, talked about having a, a personal relationship with God. And so that caught my interest. And so I came back again and again and again. And in about a month, uh, a guy saw the, my interest and says, hey, would you like to meet with the, about this? And I said, sure, I'd, I'd, I'd like to know more about it. And so we uh, w- kind of went through a one-on-one discipleship thing. And I, I, then I, I had uh, made a decision to place my faith in what God had done for me rather than what I could ever do in my life. So that's, that's where it began in Southern California. Grew up in West Texas in the so-called Bible Belt. Right, yeah. And um, yeah. never knew Christ, never knew Christ, but, but met him in Southern California in that fast lane of, of business and, and all of that. So that, that was kind of the, the genesis of my, uh, or the, the, the path of my, of my faith. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a very similar, uh, at least the growing up part in church. We, we went to, uh, we went to church and it was, uh, at least for our area where I grew up in Southern Michigan, it was, a kind of a mainline denomination and it was real, real similar to your story. Like we didn't really have a great concept of grace. We didn't have a great concept of, you know, um, discipleship. The love of the father. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, you know, well, you know, be good and be that, that nice guy. And, you know, you know, if, if, if you do good enough at that, then, you know, you'll get your, you'll get your reward at, at the end. And, and there's just so much more to, uh, to having a relationship, uh, with, with, with God, the father and, and knowing him as father that, uh, uh, as, as we said, um, so let's, um, kind of switch gears here for this, uh, this next question. You, um, as I said in the uh, in the intro, you are one of the founding members of the Wild at Heart Ministry in uh, Colorado Springs, and you are part of a uh, a group of men and women who uh, they know what it means to be fully alive, and they're they're constantly working for the kingdom, and they're working towards being fully alive. So, um, talk to your, the audience a little bit about your experience with being a part of, of the Wild at Heart ministry and the importance of having people in your life that, that are moving towards having, uh, being fully alive in, in, uh, in their faith journey. And just um, give us a little bit of inside baseball on that, if you could. Yeah, well, I mean, being fully alive is... It, it's it's a great it's a great place to be with God, but quite frankly, some days I suck at it, and um, and and I'm not there, and so it's it's yeah. a continual thing to chase. You yeah, know? I, and, I don't think and, we'll ever be fully no, alive the, on no. this side of heaven, anyway. Yeah. So, but 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 I've tasted enough of it to know I want more of it, and so um, I, I I don't want to put the perception out there that I'm a man just walking out of here fully alive because I'm, 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 uh, I'm struggling like we all are, 
but but yeah, your question is good. I, I think, you know, um, being in this being in this culture of, of ransom heart has just been a really, really good thing in in my faith. And it's been a very, very hard thing at the same time. Um, I think I think the thing that I, I love about this group of of men and women is the authenticity of life, of, of uh, knowing that when you screw up, you, you admit that and, and, and that we're, we admit that we're all struggling and in our faith. And that's, that's part of the journey that, that we're all on, that we're not trying to put a facade out there that, and I've got, I've got it all together here. And, and um, so I, I think, sharing that journey with a group of people who all have that premise that that we're, we're, we're all moving towards wholeheartedness and uh, becoming more alive is is a very difficult and disruptive journey and um, again I, I, I go back to my brokenness of of busyness I, you know I'm, I'm I've uh, I, I have responsibility and with uh, with some of our our uh, our uh, allies who support us and so forth, and so I, I I have I have a responsibility to connect with with them, and 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 I got to a place where I was spending so much time doing that that I, I was overwhelmed by it. I couldn't I couldn't couldn't do it, but that broken busy part of me that just says I'm just gonna. I'm just going to, you know, double down and I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it work. I'm, I'm going to just force it and work, you know, on mm-hmm. my own strength yeah. rather than God's. And so such, such a beautiful thing, such a hard thing is, is, as I can't pose in front of these guys, you know? I, and so in the middle of that, in the middle of just being felt, I was so far behind in everything and I just didn't have enough time to do, I mean, it's just falling right back into who I was when I was a young man and, and a boy um, that these guys just called me out and said, hey, just get out of here for 90 days and just go be with God. That was the most disruptive thing I think I've ever felt. Number one, I felt like they were dismissing me. They didn't want me because... I was saying they're not going to survive without my hard work, right? But yeah. there, there, there it goes is that hard work thing again, my yeah. validation there. Yeah. But it was really their love, and it was the father's love coming through them to say, "Hey, just go, go, take care of your heart, man. That's the problem." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I did, and I, I mean, remember the first three days, I, I was, it was January and it was middle of winter, and. Um, I went out to our, our place out, out here, uh, west of Colorado Springs. And I just built a fire. And for three days I stared into a fire and, um, just asking God, what, what is this all about? And so that's what life with, with these guys and, and, and these, uh, this, this group of people is like, is, is, you're going to have to live authentically or you're not going to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's what, that's what life at ransom hearts like. So it, it grows me. 
it's it's uh, it's painful, but it's a very very beautiful process, and I wouldn't be anywhere else. And so I th I think, you know, we we've had we've had a lot of people say that as as we get up and tell our stories and 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 our wild at heart conferences and so forth and and uh, and the people that see us and th that know us, they say, hey, you're you're no different. You're no different on the stage than you are off the stage. See, that's the greatest compliment yes. I think I can be paid. Yeah, is is I've had some of that, but but then again, I, I started with this statement, and I need to end with this statement: is some days my wholeheartedness, I really suck at it. Yeah, yeah, we we all do. I I think that's one of the reasons that I even started this podcast too, is, is for me to, to, um, be accountable to myself in that whole wholeheartedness aspect of it. Yes. Um, and so this is just as much of a, an exploration of that for me as it is for, for the audience. So I, I'm really glad you, you touched on that topic. Um, so he is Mr. Bart Hansen. We're going to take a quick break here and then we'll get into some uh, other questions about a little bit more personal questions about him and his life and his journey. And we will we'll wrap it all up in a nice little bow after that. But uh, stay with us. This is the M60 Podcast. So we're getting into the fall and the winter months here in North America. And if you're like me and you love to go out on the golf course and make new friends and strengthen your bond with existing friends, that's getting harder and harder to do with the weather coming at a premium and with daylight also coming at a premium. So what can we do to grow ourselves in the game of golf? Well, we can be like everybody else. We can watch certain YouTube channels and instructional videos and act like we're getting good information. We can follow certain accounts on Instagram that really don't do anything to apply to us. We can peruse Golf Galaxy till the cows come home. Or what you can do is you can become a student of the game of golf. One of the best publications to help you do that is my friend Scott Hassey's book that's entitled The Champion's Playbook, Thinking Your Way to Lower Scores. In this book, Scott's going to run you through seven courses about how you can enhance your course strategy, everything from what you believe, understanding the architect, developing your plan, mind control, and developing your instincts, and a whole lot more. Scott also produces a podcast here in Franklin, Tennessee called the Champions Playbook Podcast. I'll have links for both of those in the show notes below. So click on that link in the show notes. Or you can come on down to Franklin Bridge Golf Club if you're here in Franklin, Tennessee, and pick up a copy of Scott's book, The Champion's Playbook, Thinking Your Way to Lower Scores. Also check out his podcast, The Champion's Playbook Podcast, featuring episode 13's guest, Jack Beard. Links for the podcast and his book are in the show notes. If you're interested in interacting with the show on social media, you can click on my link tree in the show notes, and you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now you can find me on Parlor. Just search M60 Podcast on all of those platforms, and you can find me there. If you're interested in 
contributing an article that you want me to talk about in a future episode or mini-sode, just email me, m60podcast at gmail.com, and put article in the subject line. Be sure to like this podcast, share this episode, and leave a five-star review. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the M60 Podcast. I am your host, John Waltz, and joining me for this episode is Mr. Bart Hansen of Wild at Heart Ministries in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, Bart, we'll get right into the uh, second half of questions here for this one. So when we had first met uh, in person, you were you had given a talk at the uh, Wild at Heart Boot Camp that I attended back in February of this year about the types of adventure that men experience and need in their lives. And so if you could um, just give us a quick synopsis of, of those types of adventures and, uh, and what are some healthy ways that men can pursue that? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, John. Yeah, so adventure, it's 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 certainly a big part of the masculine journey. It's part of our it's part of our journey of faith with God. I mean, adventure is actually stepping into the unknown, into frontier. And when we do that, it requires it requires faith. If if we if we didn't have faith to to go into the unknown, then you know, we'd we'd just we'd sit at home in the fetal position in bed all the time. So so we're called into adventure where God has called us to step out in faith. And, and I think it's part of God's initiation to us to say that that's where our intimacy can occur with him as, as we do things that, that have risk in them. Uh, we, we, need to, uh, we need to walk with God in that. I certainly have walked in a lot of adventure and a lot of risk without God. And uh, that's a whole lot about my story of what, what I tell here at Wild at Heart. But, um, but yeah, adventure, and I've kind of I've come up with three different categories of adventure that I think that, uh, that we, uh, we live out and, 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 and are a part of in our masculine journey. And so those, those three categories are casual adventure, crucial adventure, in what I call epic adventure. Now, casual adventure is, you know, um, it's, it's what, it's what really makes you come alive. What you like to do, you know, if you like to go fishing, if you like to go mountain biking, if you, if you like to, um, go running, um, you know, just what, whatever it is that you would love to go do. I think it's, it's really vital to our hearts and, and to our masculine hearts to go and, and, and experience those things that really do make us come alive. Um, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm bumping, uh, I'm in my late sixties now. And, and so I think that quest for casual adventure, I, you know, I've just, I just found, I, I used to run a lot and running was a, a big part of my deal and, and did some long distance running and, and did a, a handful of marathons and so forth. And we had a group of guys that we love to run. Well, you know, my, my body, uh, can only stand so much of that. I, I just can't run anymore. But, but I, I, after moving from Southern California to, to Colorado, I found here in my neighborhood, I found an outdoor heated lap pool that um, I can swim in. And so 
I, I've got, I've got some significant injuries uh, and I've got nine, nine uh, levels of fusion in my back from crazy things I did, crazy adventure walking without God. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, but anyway, so I, I found, and I'm not a swimmer, but I found that really the only, only thing I could do was, uh, is the backstroke. And so I've kind of developed the backstroke, went to, uh, went to YouTube and, and, uh, learned a little bit of refinement on that backstroke and, and actually got a swim coach and, and he's taught me more about it. But I, I, this morning I, I started, it was, uh, about 26 degrees when I stepped out and got in that 81 degree water, you know, it's, it's cold mm -hmm. from the door until you get into the pool. But yeah. I, I, you know, I swam, swam 45 minutes and, in, in uh, all of my back and just looking at the sky and, and communing with God. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, and so that's my kind of my new casual adventure that makes me come alive. So casual adventure is, is that, that, that makes us come alive, that it's, it's not necessarily a, a large story. And then crucial adventure, crucial adventure is, 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 you know, I think requires more of a walk with God. It's, it would be a young man that's uh, saying, I, I, I want to go join the military and, uh, or it's a young man that says, hey, I, I want to go to graduate school or I, I want to start a company. Uh, uh, but it's a larger story and um, it's, it, it, it would be an enterprise that, that, that he would take on that is a considerable investment and a considerable frontier that requires a lot of him as, as he goes into life. You know, yeah. we, started, we started our home building company when I was uh, 28 years old and and, um, uh, you know, we, we started it in, in, in some of the most, uh, you know, when uh, mortgage interest rates were 17 and a half percent, you know, we're talking about interest rates today, two, two and a half percent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 17 and a half percent is when we started our home building company and the prime lending rate at the bank was 22 percent. And so, I mean, just crazy, crazy oh. time to start a home building company. But my partner and I were walking with God and he said, no, it's the time to do it. And we found a niche and, and found that we didn't have too much competition because all of our, the other builders were just choking on what they, what they had built, trying to get rid of it. So we started our company in that, but, it, and we, we had, you know, 20, 20 year run until I, uh, that was about 20, 20 years ago when uh, God called me into, into this, into uh, wild at heart. And so, um, so you've got casual adventure, you've got crucial adventure, and then epic adventure is, you know, when you think of, when you put the two words together, adventure and epic together, you think of, you know, some guy going climbing Everest or, or mm -hmm. these, these, uh, these guys that have these uh, flying suits and they jump off of a precipice and, and, and they go flying, you know, somewhat horizontal, yeah. but they're descending and, and they go down and then uh, pull a parachute at the last minute. And, right. Yeah. I think uh, of uh, movies like Gladiator and Braveheart and uh, when I think of epic adventures. Right. Right. Well, and, but you think of that and, and you think of just, you know, crazy, crazy, stupid things that, that you could do, but that, that's not what I'm talking about when I'm, when I'm saying epic adventure. And then, and I, I think that, the way I've defined this epic adventure is available to every one of us every day 
right where we are. And, and, and what that is, is, is it's really, uh, it's just unleashing the most powerful force in the universe, which is offering your strength and your love to the world around you. And when you do that, when you do that, you unleash that most powerful force that is what is building the kingdom of God. And it, and it, especially to go in love where it's a hard place to love. It could be in yeah. your marriage that when you're not doing well, mm-hmm. or, or it could be just, you know, a, a person that, that uh, has a, has a, a, a very tough story. And, and most people just leave that person alone. And, um, uh, but I think it's, it's just, loving, offering love in your world, choosing to love things that are in your world. And oftentimes that that's a really hard thing to do. Um, yeah. but I think yeah. that's what I define as epic adventure. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you for, for doing that, for sharing that. I, that was one of, um, your talk was one that I, I really, really enjoyed at the, at the retreat and, and oh, well, thank you, John. Got, uh, got a lot out of that. That's not that they weren't all great, great talks. Well, it you. was, a, uh, but I do, uh, uh, I do appreciate that you kind of rehashing all that. Um, so one of the adventures that, uh, you had talked about was, uh, was loving your wife and, and, uh, having a strong marriage. So you have been married to your wife, uh, Tana for 40 years. Is that right? For, yeah, we're, uh, we work on 41 years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations. So that is, as we all know, with divorce rates being like they are, that's such a very rare thing to find in the, in the culture today. So um, talk to us a little bit about what makes a strong and a lasting marriage in, in a world that we're in today. Well, when, when, when we met one another, um, I, I was not a believer and I, I, I didn't, I wasn't walking with God in, in really any way. And, and so I, I met her actually running one day when I was out jogging. And, um, and so um, within about uh, eight weeks, I had asked her to marry me. And uh, then we got, we, we got married 13 weeks after that. And so we, we had a pretty, in, in the vernacular of real estate, uh, we had a real quick escrow. <laughs> yeah. that's a good way and, to put it yeah. and, and and then all hell broke loose um and so we we had a really really tough first year but that's the year that i begin going to hear these guys about their christian testimony and then then i i walked into my early years of faith and i and i got some men around me that that really did help me uh in the fight in those early years because had, had i not had these men um, early in my marriage, I, I'm, I'm sure we would have, we would have, uh, both walked away with, uh, in the first year or two, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's been a, it's, it's not been an easy thing and, but all good things you have to fight for. You, oh, yes. you really yeah. have to, you have to fight for your heart and you have to fight for your marriage, but it's been a, um, it's been, it's, I mean, I, I think of 40 years and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm just amazed at, at uh, the length of time that we have with, that we've had together. But, you know, I remember along the way, <clears throat> we were both in our faith and, and it just occurred to me one day, I think we'd been married about eight years. 
and I, and I asked my wife, I just said, um, Hey, let's, uh, <clears throat> let's, let's sit down and pray together. And, um, so been eight married for eight years now, you know, we'd say prayers at the table and thank God for the food and, but, but pretty shallow prayers. I said, right. well, yeah. let's just, let's just sit down and pray, you know? And so, so we, we thought about a minute about, you know, what some things we could pray about. And so it's the first time together, we just started praying. And so, I don't know, it's probably a minute, maybe two minutes into the prayer, she's crying. Hmm. And I stopped the prayer and I said, Hey, Hey, we're trying to pray here. What's the tears about <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sensitive here. Yeah, really. And, yeah. And, and so, which, which just, called out to the point that we'd been married for eight years. I really didn't even know her story. And so okay. uh, when, yeah. when I inquired about the tears, she told me, she says, I, uh, I made a vow when we traced it back. She said, I made a vow 17 years ago. I'd never cry again. And, oh, and it was because okay. of all of the hurt that her father had caused in her life. Now I had no visibility on that until we prayed together. Mm. And so that just opens the door to say that us praying together has been an incredible uh, spiritual discipline that we've gotten to know one another better and we bring things to God together. Sometimes when we're at, a, at an impasse and, and we're really having a hard day, one of us will have enough courage to grab the other one and say, let's just pray. Yeah. And, and a lot of times I say, I don't want to pray, right? I just don't want to pray. But we, we push through that to do that. And so that, that's, I think that's been the greatest spiritual discipline of our marriage is just to pray together. And, and, and it, it has overcome so many sins in our life. And so many times when I just say, I, I, I just don't give a crap. I, I don't want to pray. And so, um, so that, that's, that's been a good, uh, uh, I think a thing that has really held us together all of these years and has caused us to, to walk deeper with God. But there, you know, there's a lot of other things. I mean, some, some days in marriage, you just have to choose to love and it's not about winning an argument, not about winning, um, some point it's, it's just be silent you yeah. know, it kind of goes back to that, just quiet strength, just offer quiet strength and, and love and choose love and, and, and don't try to bulldozer, which a lot of days, that's what I do. And I, I suck at this. And so I, I, I learn when I do that, I say, you know, I say, well, yeah, that, that didn't work again. And so it brings me back to, to, uh, to where I should be with God. Good, good. Yeah, that's good stuff there. Yeah, I uh, I always like asking um, wise and, and older souls like yourself about about marriage and and you know a strong quality marriage like that because I'm I'm not married at this point in my life, so I, I don't have a lot of input to to add to to that discussion. So I, I appreciate you taking. Uh, oh yeah, John. And, and, you know, if you can glean that and start praying day one and not wait to, to eight years. Of marriage, <laughs> right. Yeah. You're standing on our shoulders, buddy. All so. right. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep that. I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in yes. mind for sure. Yeah. So, 
So one of the things that you love to do, um, you uh, you love to fly and you incorporate that into uh, to what you do with Wild at Heart. So tell us a little bit about how you came into uh, the world of flying, what what you love about it so much and, and how you work that into your role with Wild at Heart. Yeah, so I shake the surly bonds of earth, take my hand, reach out and touch the face of God. That's uh, that's the famous poem that comes out of the famous poem "High Flight" by John McGee. He was uh, that's beautiful. He was in the Canadian Royal before. Air Force, yeah. and um, and yeah, it's a beautiful poem. Uh, beautiful poem. But it it uh, you know I've always had a passion for flying. Every since I was a little boy, I just always looked up in the sky, and especially when an airplane was flying by, and just wondered, gosh, what would it be like to be able to do that, and and just. I just had the, you know, just the, just the uh, experience of flight. How could I experience that? And so many of my childhood adventures were around that. And and uh, if you've been to boot camp, you've 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 heard a couple of those, and and some of them are pretty crazy. But I um, I uh, uh, I got I got my pilot's license when I was 19 years old, and um, then just put it on the shelf because I couldn't afford to fly. And, um, and then, uh, I don't know, 20 something years later, um, I, I could afford to fly, but I just never had done it. And, um, and then, um, I, I tasted it with a friend and in my, and I just was that deep longing came back to me and, and it took my wife to say, so why aren't you doing it? You know? And then, I was like so busy that I didn't have time for it. And, but my wife says, well, just make time for what you love. And so um, it was really great that, that she gave me such permission to go chase something that yeah. I had lost and, and, and had just kind of subsided in my life. And so within 30 days, I had an airplane and, and, uh, was back to flying and, and got, got an instrument rating. And, and then, uh, and then wild at heart came along. And, and so as part of my invitation into this, into this great adventure of this ministry of wild at heart, that, uh, when John invited me, he says, Hey, Bart, you, you, and uh, your, your son's gone. So, uh, he's, he's moved out. So you're, you're, um, you guys are empty nesters. And so you and Tana just go, connect with our allies around the country in, in conjunction of that's going to be part of what you do. And so, mm-hmm. so all of a sudden I get to fly, get to do what my heart just makes me come alive in conjunction with my ministry. I mean, it was like, I didn't know what day it was, you know, yeah. any day. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it, it's time is irrelevant. It's like, I get to go do this today, you know? And so living in that sweet spot, it's, it's almost indescribable, but um, it's a big part of my life flying. And, and as I'm moving into the, my, my son became a military pilot and uh, he, he flew Ospreys for the Marine Corps and, and, uh, and he's, he's still in the military flying. And, and so, but he's here at home and he's in a reserve squadron. And so we're pursuing bush flying now. And we, we just okay. recently built an experimental airplane that's that, that we can go land and in a real short distance and take off in a short distance. And, and so the possibilities are almost endless to, 
to go fly around Colorado at the altitude of hawks. And so that's where um, my adventure is, is moving me to, in my heart towards right now. That's, that's great. This just shows that God is, is so good that he can, he is that he can move, that he can move one of your greatest passions into your life and, and help it further his kingdom. That's, that's an amazing, right. an amazing yeah, story. It, it and, is. and, you know, I'll, I'll give a, a shout out to your wife there because there, are, I feel like there's a lot of relationships out there that, that wouldn't necessarily be um, the wife's reaction to, you know, take up one of your hobbies again. And yeah, I, I feel like maybe there's some, some lessons that can be learned from that. You know, I, I, it's something that made you come become truly alive and kind of what we were talking about before. And it, it, uh, it just moved your life and her life into such a a great and positive direction, like I said, to help further the kingdom. So, and, and she, she doesn't like to pilot, but she loves to be in the airplane. So, I mean, it's a shared adventure that we, we have, and we, I mean, we've got some great stories together of, of, uh, of things that were really uh, quite an adventure. So it's, it's been a great thing. And, and she's been a part of that as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, Bart, um, not only uh, kind of switch a little bit, uh, some gears here. Um, not only are you one of the founding board members of, of Wild at Heart, but you are also one of the founders of the Orange County Rescue Mission. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about what that organization is and, and what, what they do in uh, Orange County, California. Yeah, so a little, little correction there. Uh, founder of uh, founding board member of of, uh, of uh, back then Ransomed Heart, but Wild at Heart now. Uh, Orange County Rescue Mission has been around for a long time, so I wasn't a founding. Oh, that's right. There, you're, but, you're on the board. I'm, but, I apologize. But I've been, Bart. Yeah, yeah I mean. I've been on that board about uh, 18 years and uh, chaired it for a lot of years. But uh, when when I go back and talk about boards of directors that I've I've been on, uh, I have to go back to that broken side of me again when I was busy. And I got my validation out of uh, just having a lot to do and filling my calendar. I was on more boards than I had time for. And so part of, part of my restoration and, and redemption was getting off of boards that I really had no desire to serve on and that I was just, you know, it was just a badge I was putting on my chest to say, I serve on this board. And uh, it was a pose. And so, so getting out of a lot of boards that I had no business serving on was, was a part of my spiritual journey. But I, so today I'm on, on, on two boards. I'm on, the, uh, on our board here. And like you said, the Orange County Rescue Mission. And so that really came out of, out of my, uh, my tenure in the, in the real estate and development business and, and my partner that we spent 20 years in that, in our company together, he serves on that, on that board together. And, and, and so uh, we came there helping, I represented the building industry, helping good nonprofits build facilities that would help them carry out their mission. And so we had helped them with a, with a pretty big project that, uh, that our, our building industry had done. I was on that board and actually two boards on that side. And so um, we were building homeless shelters and so forth. And so 
we built this shelter for the Orange County Rescue Mission. I jumped out of the building side. I went to the Orange County Rescue Mission side, and so have been have been a part of that um, uh, for uh, for for eighteen years. And um, they carry the ministry of Wild at Heart and Captivating, as that's the core of their their restoration of that they offer their clients there in Southern California. And man, it's just been a an incredible thing to watch with a very, very gifted CEO who's very entrepreneurial and uh, to see the transformation of lives of come out of homelessness of the least, the last and the lost mm-hmm. and, and see people's lives come back into, uh, in, in, into restoration where they're, they're, uh, they're part of the kingdom of God and they're, they're, uh, they're, families back together. And I mean, just some of the worst stories you can imagine. So just being around that is just gives me a lot of energy. But again, I, I don't, I don't have much capacity for a lot of boards, but that's the one board that I reduced all the others down to outside of, of, of what I do here. That's, that's a passion for me today. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's such a, a key and crucial thing I feel like that's even needed in in that part of the country. I used to live out, live in the uh, Phoenix area and did did a lot of business with some companies in that were in Orange County. And and so I I kind of know a little bit about the, the area out there. And I know that uh, what, what you do on uh, with, with that group is, is desperately needed um, in, in that part of the world. Mm. So uh, final question, uh, Bart, that uh, I ask every every guest. It kind of ties back into the first question. But uh, let's say you're in the position to, and quite often you are, get with your role at, at Wild at Heart. But uh, you you have the opportunity to speak into the life of a young man. They're they're kind of down on the world, and they're they're cynical towards life, and they're someone who's kind of lost their way in the world and let chaos kind of overwhelm them. So what kind of what would you say to a young man that's in that situation? What kind of advice and encouragement would you give to him? Yeah, I think, uh, John, a couple, three things, uh, <clears throat> especially, especially a young man who seems disillusioned and possibly, you know, um, moving towards cynicism or in cynicism, um, is that to, to really look a young man in the eye or, or a man in the eye and, and say that your life does matter. Uh, because uh, most young men, I think at some point in time, they, they, our masculinity is always opposed. And um, a, a big part of the opposition to it is just that spirit of diminishment that, that we don't matter. Uh, mm-hmm. And what I do doesn't matter and, and nobody really cares. And, and so oftentimes we find ourselves living in a pretty small story and, and it feels that feels so true. So, to to say to a, a a man that your life does matter, and um, what what makes his life matter is that they are be- a beloved son of God. Yes. And yeah. um, I think that concept is so foreign to most to most men that they don't feel loved. They they don't feel heard. They don't feel um, like they're seen. Um, but if you stop and take the time and I think look at a man and and say that his his life matters, 
and he's a beloved son of God, as all of us are, and they start believing that about them, themselves, it can be transformative in their life. And then I think the next thing is, is you have what it takes that, um, that God has made us all to come through. And that often involves a lot of failure in life, which we all experience. Yes, um, yeah. But but the bottom truth is is we do we do have what it takes because that's why God made Adam in the garden. Adam could have stepped in front of Eve when she was tempted and say we're not going there, but he he wimped out. <clears throat> that was his failure, and and all of mankind failed. And so we we've we have that curse on us. But the thing is, as part of our redemption, is God says no. I've given you the ability, you do have what it takes. And so, um, and so the last thing I would say, and, and um, to, to a young man, especially that assuming that he's got some, some level of faith, if he doesn't, that, I mean, that's the first place you go is, is, is about, you, you can't live outside of God. You cannot right. live outside of God. Yeah. But I think <clears throat> the last thing that I would leave with them is, is that you have a role in the kingdom. God just didn't make you and say, well, you're going to live in a small story and, and, and there's really not much for you to do. Uh, that, that's, that's the opposite of what, of what God has done. He has given us all a role in the kingdom. And it's just about walking with him. You know, Revelations 3.20 Oftentimes we use that as, as, as an evangelistic verse, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens the door and I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me, that was Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and it was in the context of talking to Christians because they were talking to the early Christian churches. So it's an invitation of God saying, Hey, invite me in. I want to have, a personal and intimate relationship with you. And I think as we kind of started this discussion somewhere back in one of those early questions is God's always speaking. Yes. He's always speaking to us. And we, we just have to tune out the static of life long enough to say, oh yeah, he is speaking to us and, and begin to look around us and to see all of the ways that he's speaking to us. But but he is speaking to us and he's invited us in to have an intimate relationship with us because through how he gifted every one of us so differently, he says, you have a place in my kingdom. And so we have a role, we have an identity with God and we have what it takes and that's all under the umbrella of the most powerful force in the universe, which is God's love. Amen. Amen. That's that, uh, that gives that, that answer gives me energy for sure. For sure. That's yes. some great stuff, Bart. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. He is Mr. Bart Hansen member, uh, board member of Wild at Heart Ministries in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, Bart, do you have anything else that you want to uh, promote here before we, we sign off on this one? Hey, John, just uh, applaud you uh, for, for bringing issues of masculinity to guys. I mean, it's a, it's a world out there that's been so emasculated. And so kudos to you, my friend. And um, 
and uh, man, t- take the torch to the field. I will. I will. Thank you so much, Bart. Like I said, he is Mr. Bart Hansen, board member of Ransomed Heart, now known as Wild at Heart Ministries in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Bart, thanks again for being on the show. This is the M60 Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. A huge thank you once again to Bart Hansen and everyone involved with Wild at Heart in Colorado Springs. You have touched the lives and rescued the hearts of so many around the world, and we can't thank you enough for that. If you are interested in donating to this show and helping with the creation of this show, you can check out my PayPal and Patreon links in my link tree in the show notes. Also, be sure to check out the bonus episode tied to this episode, which I'll have on my public page. It's entitled The Wallet. It features Bart Hansen. You won't want to miss that. I'm John Waltz. This is the M60 Podcast, and happy Thanksgiving.